Hello, everyone. Welcome to this latest installment of Under Construction. I am your host, Jamal, the angry black fan, Darby. To my left, we have Kaiser Sose. But we saved the very best for that. We have a very, very special guest on today. If you can't tell, we have the lovely and the talented Miss Sharice Hodges has joined us today. So everybody, clap it up for Miss Sharice Hodges. Rocking the Hornets jersey, too. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah. Okay. This, this, so is bad. L, this is my LJ jersey. Wow. That's what I'm on, talking about. On Prince Day. It's on Prince Day. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Now, for those who uh, do not know, uh, Sharice is a uh, novelist. Is, did I say that right? Is that even a word? Yes, that's a word. All right. <laughs> An author who writes novels. But she is on today because she has wrote a very explosive letter to Mayor Vi Laos. Um when we posted them all under construction, um, you know, I was not expecting the letter to take off the way it did. And also, let me say, it, I believe that the letter was very necessary for a very necessary conversation that charlatans need to have. So, Reese, I don't want to do all the talking. So the first question that I would like to ask you, what set you off? What, what, what made you say, you know what? All right, it's time to it's time to write something, get something off my chest. You know, we're we're in the midst of a pandemic. Among everything else that's going on, there is a global pandemic that is affecting African Americans just as much as racism. It's killing us at higher rates. Right. And from the time that you know the stay-at-home orders and everything were issued, I heard nothing from our mayor. Okay. So when the protest on Baitis Ford Road started and there was property damage, and let me explain this. I came to Charlotte to go to Johnson C. Smith. So Baitis mm -hmm. Ford Road is always special to me. It does not matter what part of town I live in. When right. I hear something going on on Baitis Ford Road, I'm concerned. So when I saw the protest, it didn't look right, didn't feel right. Um, then there was property damage, and granted, it's horrible, but mm -hmm. you're going to come out after months of silence to talk about the damage to Food Lion. What about <laughs> the dead people in the city from the coronavirus? Right. What about the killing of Black people in Charlotte from your police department, and you're sitting up here acting like y'all sitting on this wonderful police department where everyone is treated fairly and this is not Charlotte. It was a bunch of, excuse my language, bullshit. Oh, we, cuss on, we cuss on this show. You're fine. Okay, yeah. okay yeah. good. Yeah. It, it, it <laughs> set me off to the point where it was like my stomach just started hurting. It's mm -hmm. bad enough I got to eat my own cooking because I don't trust going out right now. <laughs> and my stomach started hurting behind us because it's like, are you the property damage mayor or are you the mayor that cares about the people? The same right. mayor that said, oh, I'm going to be the mayor of everybody no matter where I go in the city. You know, the shit that duped me into voting for her. Mm -hmm. So I felt like for you to be gone that long and then to come back because windows were broken somewhere that can be replaced, but lives cannot. It it's it set me off. That, right. That's what did it. Kaz, any thoughts on that? Because I, I I, I have a feeling you're going to say something. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, man. Gonna politic. This is what that is. Um, she's 
the mayor is running into the same issue that Mayor Roberts had with the police department. And that is that, and this is something I, I don't understand nationwide. All these, the mayors of all these major American cities are coming out saying, uh, well, you know, there's an issue with the police department and the chief of police. It's like, don't you hire the police department and the chief of police? So do something about it. But if the mayor were, let's say the mayor were to say, you know what, police department's doing no good. Let's get rid of them all and rebuild the system. That, a lot of people would take that uh, or she might feel like that was a sign of weakness on her part because she built the police department. And now she's got to admit that failure, that the system that I built doesn't work anymore. Now, Sharice, I, I, I know what you're going to say, but let me let me get this in real quick. I think it brings up an important question. Who really has the power? Sharice, I have a feeling you want to speak on that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, Two things I want to say, because in 2016, after the legalized killing of Keith Scott, she and she was a city council member. And she enact, she had all of this stuff that she wanted to do to fix the police department. When she became mayor, it's like it fell to the wayside. So that's another reason why I say I'm duped. Also, we do live in a weak mayor, strong council um, system. So while we can't 100% blame her for not being able to make these changes go through, the thing is... You can't start a discussion four years ago and then abandon it. Right. Because you right. use that to get into office. And of course, you know, politicians are going to say what they need to say to get elected. I know two honest politicians and one happens to be my dad. Right. I can I can dig it. Now, in the letter, um, you know, you, you explained what a lot of people kind of co-signed um when you know when i'm looking around social media and people are responding uh, to this letter that you wrote a lot of people were co-signing and clapping it up feeling duped i want you to tell us a little more how about you feel duped what what were you hopeful for when, when you when you voted for um uh, mayor lyles okay so when i voted for her that one time that one time that one time <laughs> that um, one time <laughs> You know, I was hopeful that we were going to see a new era in Charlotte. You know, um, we have a number of Black people in positions of power in this city. And I was hoping that that was going to come together and change the way Black people in this city are treated and looked and things of that nature. However, I feel like Vi has... Um, you know, she has those barcodes on her neck and different, <laughs> you know, people are just scanning it and getting money from the city and things of that nature. Now, I don't have no proof of that. So I don't want nobody to get sued for libel. But that, those are my thoughts. Right. Um, I feel like because of what she was trying to do after the Keith, um, Scott, the Keith Lamont Scott shooting, I felt that there was a change was coming. I believed her when she spoke because she has a very nice speaking voice. She sounds like, you know, your soothing auntie, your soothing grandma. And she, rem she remembers your name. Yeah. You know, she's very personable. Very yeah. personable. But, you know, that stuff, just like my grandma used to say, all your skin folk ain't your kin folk. And just because you speak nice doesn't mean you're a nice person. And, you know, she, she tricked me. She soothed me into thinking that, you know, we were going to have a different 
type of system here. You know, Keisha Lance Bottom, she is not. Lori Lightfoot, she is not. Hell, she ain't even the, the sorry mayor in D.C. But whatever. <laughs> All right. I got a question. So we all know what's going on nationally. Um, and, and, you know, nationally, uh, you know, with the with the George Floyd thing, it's the culmination of what's been happening and what's been bubbling over. In my humble opinion, it's not just about Floyd. It's about everything. He's It's just like he's the symbol of what's been happening to tie this in locally with Charlotte, because we are a Charlotte podcast. With all that being said, with 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 your let with your letter to Mayor Lyles. Did everyone kind of forget about what happened around here? Did we all forget about Dan Queers Franklin? Did we yes. forget about Keith Lamont Scott that yes. fast? Like, yes, we did. Did, did Charlotte just kind of say, uh, okay, let's just move on and let's worry about gentrification and other and, and building breweries? I want to get both of y'all's thoughts on that. Kaza, what's up with you? I don't think the people forgot. Right. I mean, we still remember. Uh, you know what happened with the Keith Scott shooting, uh, the the feelings of hurt. I mean, Charlotte's still healing from that, and I think that's why we took to the George Floyd situation. While we took that to heart, and we said, okay, we're gonna go out and protest because we never got any resolution from Keith Scott or Dan Kears Franklin. So it's like, okay, so y'all didn't still not listening. So here we go again. I think the, the and I don't think the politicians forgot either. They wanted us to forget, so they tried to distract us by. Um, economic reform and all of the things happening with uh, the Panthers. Hey, look, we got this billionaire coming in and investing in our city now. And uh, and look, look, look at every, all the things we're doing on Freedom Drive. There's a brewery on Freedom Drive. No one cares about a brewery on Freedom Drive. <laughs> well, somebody cares. Just, yeah, you know, not us. But, <laughs> uh, but um, so they, they tried to placate the people. But I think those of us that are really in the community, we didn't forget. We did not forget those things. And uh, the, the protest now is it, that's really the only way that we can uh, have any real control over the situation. Only any real any real power. Yeah. Sharice, what you, what you got? I mean, let's not even just let's take it back to the 90s. You know what I mean? Like right. CMPD been messed up for a long time. I remember being a college student where and I can't remember the guy's name, but I and I wish I could have found the clipping that I wrote for the student paper about the the African American man who had his daughter in the car and was shot and killed by police, mm -hmm. unarmed, right. in the nineties. So George Floyd is the tipping point mm -hmm. because anytime anything happens in Charlotte, it's always. Be peaceful. This is not Charlotte. This is Charlotte. Charlotte is a part of the United States. Charlotte is not Ghana. That's welcoming us back. <laughs> Charlotte is and has always been a problematic city that likes to brush it under the rug because they want to have a really great image in the media. They right. want to be this emerald city. But the world-class like, city. Yeah, but just right. like Oz, you know, that the wizard is fake. <laughs> all right so another question i want to ask about and and we we've covered this on a previous show of under construction and we talked about how there was an extremely low turnout for the last local election i think kaiser correct me if i'm wrong both of y'all can correct me if i'm wrong something to the effect of 17 percent 
of Charlotte's population actually turned out to actually vote on their elected officials. Do we does something like this awaken the local residents to say, all right, something's got to change. Like we have to be more involved with local politics because I want everybody to keep in mind before you share your thoughts. I want y'all to keep in mind this after the Keith Lamont Scott thing, you would think something like that would say, okay, hold up. We're going to all these town meetings. We having all these task force task force, but yet we can't get our residents to go let their voice be heard in the booths. Does this change anything? What are your thoughts on that, y'all? And we'll start with Sharice. Well, if this doesn't change anything, then, you know, it proves that we have a a community of disconnected people because... I agree there. I totally agree with that. We can't continue to march and protest and not do anything to affect change. You know what I mean? It's like, right. yeah, we got to get our voices heard, but then we got to put some action behind it. Um... Voting out Jennifer Roberts, I think, was a, a knee-jerk reaction. You know, do we want to, to vote her out? Because, yeah, she made some missteps, but at least she was front and center. You know, and, you know, I ain't never been a Pat McCrory fan, but I will say this. He used his bully pulpit to, to beat in his racist agenda. I he mean, was that, he was active. <laughs> he was always out there even if he didn't have his robes on, but he was always out there. So it's like, you see what a bad politician, like a real, real bad politician can do when they use their bully pulpit to get stuff done. We thought we were electing somebody that was going to be a cheerleader for Charlotte, not just, and I, I get it. She's not the mayor of black people, just like, you know, Barack Obama was not the president of black people, but you are ignoring a whole section of the city that trusted you and put you in that office. Right. So if the people that voted for her and voted for the city council members, because there are a number of problematic city council members as well, if they don't get out and vote for people that share their values and want to make change, then, you know, breaking windows uptown, marching and, and saying that we matter and putting on suits and marching in 90 degree heat is not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Kaiser, what you got? So I think that after what happened in 2016, there was a change then. We saw, you know, we saw uh, Mayor Roberts removed. Uh, Braxton Winston became a city council member after that. We saw the uh, guy we all know, Larkin yeah. was made a city council member and so people voted these people into these positions that they thought would have change and then right. what happened? They all failed us. Not so much Braxton, I know he's fighting as hard as he can but you know, things like we saw we saw the vote, Larkin we saw yeah. the vote for the RNC you right. know, we know what Mayor Vialiles is, is doing, we saw uh, people feel like the system failed them, so I think the last local election, people were just kind of like, what's the point? What's These the point, people, right? Well, I voted for a few years ago, haven't done anything. Why am I even bothering? And that's a, a, a big split in the black community nationally that, well, should I vote or should I not vote? Because if I vote, does it really matter? The people I voted for in the past aren't doing anything for me. Uh, on the flip side of that, if I don't vote, how do I really have a voice? It's an interesting dilemma, and Charlotte is really, we're really facing that dilemma now. Yeah. And the sad thing about Charlotte is, you know, in our last local election, there were really not any viable options. Like, 
the people who ran against the mayor and ran against some of these city council members were, and I'm sorry to say it, they were a big joke. And, and largely unknown. Unknown. And, it, and, and let's be honest, Charlotte is the city that's all about name recognition. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, there, there are two people on city council right now, and I ain't calling no names because I'm not trying to get sued today. <laughs> um, but there are the construction two people. ain't got no money, so. Yeah, that's I'll, I'll <laughs> there are two people that are there because of their name recognition, but have not done uh have not done anything in the decades that they've been in politics. Now you can you can look up bios and do and make I, your own. I, I, I use my imagination on that one. Yeah. I use my... But I'm just saying that they get elected because everybody knows their name. Yep. No, Very that's true. Uh, that's true. I think that's how Pat McCrory got to be the governor. Everyone knew him as the mayor. Charlotte is a has become a political stepping stone. Look at our former mayor who became the secretary of transportation. Uh, We've hosted the Democratic National Convention. We were going to host the RNC. We're not anymore. Thank God for that. Thank you, but, Roy Cooper. Yes, thank you. So <laughs> Charlotte has, I mean, we're now the now the 15th largest city in the United States. That's no small thing. Charlotte is a major metropolitan area, and politicians like to swoop down on it. Uh, we're the largest city in between, what, Philadelphia and Atlanta? Yeah, largest city in the state, yet we're not the capital. We have all the 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 earmarkings of a large city that is a good political stepping stone. And I think uh, I I can't speak for Vi Lyles, uh, her political aspirations, but that's what it feels like. You go from city council member to the mayor, and then you start trying to be the diplomat and placating all your constituents and people who might vote for you if you ran for governor. You know, that's what it feels like. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, uh, what, go ahead. it's such a big switch because there was a time when if you were the mayor of Charlotte, you could not become governor of North Carolina. Richard Root, remember? Right. You know, so well, it's, yeah. yeah, you know, that was back in the day, but it's like, you know, Charlotte has become this, like you said, the stepping stone, this thing that, you know, everybody wants to be here, but nobody wants to stay here. Like in the district that I live in, I live in, I think it's district five East. I live on the East side. We can't keep a council person because they come in for a couple of years and then they're on to the next, on to the next. We're going to the state. We're doing this. We're doing that. And that to me is a problem. So why are you using this area as a stepping stone, but you never fix anything around here? Because and that goes back that goes to what I was about to say is like you can see the the politicians who have been passionate about actually doing real work in Charlotte Braxton. You can actually see the politicians who are actually seen who are actually around the city. Jennifer Roberts with say what you want to about her. She actually came to my house because she wanted to engage in a conversation with me. You know what I mean? And you could just you could see who has a real passion for Charlotte. And I think the problem with Mary Lyles right now is a lot of people just are not seeing it. I'm seeing pictures of her online kneeling and, and being amongst the people once you called her out. I didn't see that before. Why does it take a letter from Sharice Hodges for Mary Lyles to come out and now be seen with the people? Why does it take that much? 
And don't get me started. Out, why she out here not wearing her mask? She we don't know where she been. We don't know if she was in Cancun or Canada or wherever. You could be out here passing Corona on to these people you're kneeling with. Why yeah. are we having conversations? Why are we having conversations on the porch of the government center when it's still a <laughs> pandemic? I mean, can we? Can we address the fact that we are still in the midst of a pandemic and you want to pull your mask down? We don't know where you've been, ma'am. Where have well, you she, been? Well, she might have been in the house. So, my, so I'm very low risk there. But anyway, um, a question I wanted to get to, to Cherise. You have actually been invited to speak with Mayor Lyles. Can you please tell us about that experience? And yeah, just tell us about that. Well, I received... <laughs> An inbox, you know, somebody slid into my somebody slid into my DMs. Somebody slid into your DMs. Mm -hmm. All right. Like so the mayor's PR lady actually, you know, she kind of came at me a little wrong, you know, because a little while spicy. I, a little spicy. Like, <laughs> but she 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 messed with the wrong person because while I am an author, I've had another career. I'm also an award-winning journalist. Okay, I have a North so you, Carolina so you, Association. So, you so when I wrote, I know the game. Number one, I've never known a PR person to stalk you on social media and like inbox you and all of your little in, in Instagram, Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I was invited to have a conversation with the mayor. Um, I was asked for my email address. I did share that, but I also shared that you know if I am going to have a conversation with the mayor, then it would be recorded and shared, you know, with my readers and with the public. Right. Um, and then I got radio silence. But thankfully, the um, morning madhouse was there and um, she was able to speak with Miss Jessica and No Limit Larry for about 10 minutes. I mean, it's great that you gave them 10 minutes of your time. Oh, God. Um, so co next question is, did you accept an invitation? And most importantly, are you going to get paid? <laughs> you know <laughs> damn all that damn all that. you know I, I'm not doing the conversation for free and I'm not doing it if it's just going to be a private conversation between me and the mayor because number one you're not my friend I don't right. know you so if I like I said if I am going to have a conversation with her it is something that would need to be public it is something that would that I would either write about video or record so that people can hear both sides not just my opinion, because what I wrote was my opinion. Um, no. <laughs> what I also, what I wrote is, you know, I took, I researched things that she said when she first became mayor and put it in that blog because you haven't lived up to that. Right. And I think it is past time for us to stop looking at politicians that look like us and not hold them accountable for the things that, you know, if, Another politician, if a if a if a white man or a white woman had said those things and then did what Vi's doing, we would have been all over it years right. ago. Right. We right. shouldn't have we shouldn't have waited this long, and that's on all of us, me included. Because, like I said, I was duped. Right, Kaiser, I'm gonna put you on the spot. <clears throat> Let, let's say under construction, we reach big time. We 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 we, we big time status in this city. We start getting paid. Mary Lyles is on this show. What questions would you want to ask her? Oh my gosh! Wow! Um, and and of, and of course, you know we, we don't we don't fuck around on this show. So be as no. candid as you possibly can. Yes. So it it would be difficult <laughs> because I would I wouldn't want to ask any questions that I felt like she could just give like this 
political diplomatic answer and sweet talk her way out of because I I, I want to ask all politicians what is it that you think you've done for the city? What's the difference in Viles and Jennifer Roberts? Because I'll be honest, I didn't have that much of a problem with Mayor Roberts. It's just that, like most of us that work a nine to five, if you do poorly at your job, you get replaced. So that's all it was with the mayor. We 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 felt like. Uh, there was there was a lack of confidence that we had in Mayor Roberts with her handling of this situation, so we replaced her with someone we felt can do the job better. We don't feel like Mayor Lyles has done the job better. So I would ask Mayor Lyles, what do you think you've done? Do you really think you've done a better job than your predecessor? And I'd be interested to see what she'd say because I, I got a feeling she gives some some very uh, static stale political answer she would start quoting all these numbers that are completely out of context and i, I don't think you can get a, a straight answer from a person like that really or she's seeing her favorite song well i don't know all right <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, y'all i'm gonna play devil's advocate don't don't jump down my throat i'm simply playing devil's advocate i want to talk about both mayor roberts and both mayor Lyles. <laughs> Are both ladies, are they being solely judged on how they handled both uprisings, for lack of a better term? Do, does the other things that, let's just say for, let's just say for argument's sake, are the other things that they brought to Charlotte being ignored? Are, are we forgetting about anything good that they might have brought Charlotte and solely judging them on? I don't know, these two very extraordinary events that happened in Charlotte. And is it fair? Let me talk about first. All right. The question is, or the answer is, yes, we are judging them mainly on those two events, but context is important. Absolutely. We're not just saying, saying, with with Mayor Roberts, it wasn't like, you did all these great things, but uh, look at how you handle this, so you're out of office. No, it was the fact that she couldn't commit to a side. She was one one day she'd be behind Chief Putney, the next day she'd be admonishing him. It was too much wishy washiness, and it was like, look, I gotta know who's. Are you on my side? Okay, you're not on my side. Okay, you got to go. And right. And and to me, with a politician, if you are not on my side, I don't care what else you did, because then that shows that there wasn't you can't trust him behind uh, that that stuff that you did. So, right. Mayor Lyles, that's what we're running into. I'm sure maybe she's done some great things from the, for the city. I don't see it. I, I really don't. David Tepper's done more for the city of Well, you could argue that he has a little more power than she does, too, but that's another story for another day. But I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> go ahead. So, yeah, go ahead, Sharice. Well, I'm just going to say this. It's not how you perform in times of great success. Because I also work in the car business. When everybody's making money, everybody's happy. It's how you perform in a crisis that determines what kind of leadership you have. And I feel like both women have let us down in crisis mode. And it's, and you know, and I hate to say women, both of these politicians, because 
you know, neither one of them have really, neither one of them showed the confidence to me that, you know, if something happens, like, you know, when the murder hornets and the aliens come in in July, <laughs> I don't believe Vi is going to keep me safe in Charlotte. I, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that anything that they put in, that her or Jennifer Roberts put in place at any time in this city is going to keep me safe in Charlotte because they were always ready to help Charlotte when it was on the upswing. Um, the idea that having the RNC here was a good idea, um, knowing how divisive and how racist this president is, knowing the violence that you were bringing into the city pre-pandemic was it for me. Because even in 2012 with the DNC coming here, President Barack Obama, despite the fringe groups that hated him, was a popular candidate. So we didn't expect a lot of uprisings. Okay, you were going to have the anti, uh, well, the so-called pro-life people and all of that stuff. So we weren't going to have like the protests and stuff that are expected to be here with the RNC. And for you to go so hard for it just to, to be like, oh, we're open to everybody was such bullshit to me that I was like, you know what? I need to call. I wish I had a friend in California that recalled their mayors and governors and stuff so they could teach me how to do it because she got to go. <laughs> right. All right. Um, so we have talked at length about this discussion before we switch gears here. Therese, I have to ask you, do you want to stick around? Uh, would, would you would, would you like to stick around or do you, do you got somewhere to go? Because, you know, we would love to keep you on if, if you have the time to do so. <laughs> yeah, stick, stick around. Okay. I mean, right. you know, it's a we pandemic. Jersey, so. we, yeah, we, can't, yeah. we can't leave the house. I mean, I can't go to Starbucks <laughs> and write. So, hey, I'm here for you guys. All right. So, all right. So, we're going to switch gears, man. We are going to reluctantly talk about Roger Goodell and the NFL again. <sighs> Let me take a deep breath before I actually get this out because the sight of Roger Goodell's face. It um it, it 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 makes my blood pressure rise. Roger Goodell came out uh, with a very lengthy statement about you know how the NFL has basically got it wrong with race relations and how it relates to black people. We were so wrong. We have to do better in this regard. Not one mention of Colin Kaepernick, but we'll get to that later. Number one, did you guys hear the statement? Number two, what do you think about it? Who wants to take this one first? Go ahead, Cerise. Fuck Roger Goodell. <laughs> okay? And I'm going to say this, and Jamal, I know you're going to be shocked and probably going to give me a hand clap. Fuck Jerry Jones, too. <laughs> but please, uh, any other thoughts beside that? Well, here's my thing. Um, it was 2016 when Colin Kaepernick took a knee. And for one thing, everybody that tries to make this about the flag and the military, I actually, because, uh, you know, when words are my weapons because mm. I, I can't fight. I'm going to shoot you. I'm not going to fight you. <laughs> um, my dad is a Vietnam veteran with two Purple Hearts, right? Yeah. So when all of this started in 2016, I had a conversation with him. 
And he said, this is why I, I joined the Army, because he was not drafted. He volunteered. So when everybody tries to make this about the flag, the military, blah, 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 you know, you're missing the point and you're not trying to get the point. And Roger Goodell blackballed a player, ignored what a league that is like, what, 87, almost 90 percent black had to say about, you know, what you, what you mentioned that. Yep. Yeah, you mentioned it four years later. Like, right. really. Like, sit down and shut the fuck up, sir. Right. Um, but it's like, you you were so tone deaf four years ago. What you're saying now is about money. Because we buy tickets, we buy jerseys, we <clears throat> buy all kinds of paraphernalia and whatnot. And unlike, you know, other people that burn their damn Nikes, you know, after you already paid for it, we ain't gonna burn no shit. So we... <laughs> We might we might not buy no more, but we ain't gonna burn what we already got. Hell no, shit. So it's Kaiser, just, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's stupid. stupid. Kaiser, what you got, man? Yeah, it just here's the thing. Roger Goodell could he could be completely 100 percent genuine. He could have had a, an epiphany from the gods and said, you know what, I've got to do better, and it wouldn't matter because it's just still gonna seem fake to me. It just it just is. Mainly because, uh, to me, you know, Sharice knows this. Words are the cheapest thing on the face of the planet. He could say whatever, and it doesn't matter. Your actions have shown how you really feel about the issue, and they will continue to show how you really feel about the issue. Uh, I, I've always looked at the NFL like this, and this is a lot of people, a lot of my black friends like, dude, why do you still watch the NFL? And admittedly, watching the NFL is a little bittersweet for me considering everything that's going on. But I look at it like this. The NFL is actually uh, 30 different businesses, okay? The NFL, it, it's it, there's a, a major difference in the Washington Redskins and the Carolina Panthers from a oh, social oh, and political and economical. There, there's a huge difference there especially now, uh, the, the main difference is daniel snyder but go ahead yeah, yeah. like fuck jerry, daniel snyder too sorry yeah pretty much go ahead uh, especially now that jerry richardson's gone and we look at what david Tepper and you know i'm still kind of lukewarm on tepper on a lot of things but at least you know the, the statement that he made recently to his players uh hey you guys keep the movement going right you don't don't let this don't just day. stop here. Right. And I like you said that, but right. Go ahead. Season starts. Don't just stop. You don't get that from a lot of NFL owners. So I feel like, OK, I, we got a guy here in Charlotte that for the most part seems like, um, yes, Drew Brees was in the wrong. Um, we'll get to him. We'll get to him in a second. Got a guy in this city that seems <laughs> like, OK, he he's uh, kind of what we would want in an NFL owner. Uh, however, having said that, most of the owners aren't like that. That is why Colin Kaepernick has not had a job for four years. Most of the owners in the league didn't want the attention of someone protesting. They didn't want uh, possibly losing fans because they felt like it was disrespectful to the military or whatever. And the NFL sided with those owners. They, Roger Goodell said, you know what? That's the majority of NFL franchises. So we're going to side with those guys instead of siding with the franchises that said, hey, maybe this maybe this isn't right. Because let me... Let, let me cut you off real quick because it is important to know that ultimately those owners are ultimately paying Roger Goodell's salary. Ultimately, it is important to know that Roger Goodell's money depends on those 
owners. I just had to jump in there and say that. Whether no, take, I, I, that's, do whatever you want to with that information, but go ahead. So that's why if you look at the NFL as an umbrella corporation, yeah, they are uh, probably, at least publicly from a public perception standpoint, the worst of the worst. I don't, I actually don't think the NBA is much better. That's a completely different conversation, though. But at least in the, the, the public perception, yeah, the NFL is all about money. So when Roger Goodell comes out and says, hey, man, we were wrong, it's like, oh, so, so you want our money? <laughs> that's what this is all about, right? Right. It's it, it, got to do more than just make a statement to – I think to gain the trust of the people back, if if it's even possible. And and and, and if, I want to share a thought, if I may, man. Uh, the, the the what I think about Roger Goodell and the NFL is like they are kind of a symbol of what you're seeing uh, amongst corporate America all over the country. Because we're looking at all these corporations come out, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives This, Black like that. The sentiment seems great. It's a great sentiment, right? You look at that on the surface and be like, oh my, I, look, I caught on my Xbox the other day and Call of Duty has this Black Lives Matter thing. It's like, oh my God, that's, whoa, that's great. However, we as black people, we have been duped and hoodwinked for so long. It's like, okay, the message is cool, but what are we going to do? To tie that into what I thought about Roger Goodell's message, it goes back to an earlier show we had at Under Construction. Kaiser, you know what I'm going to say. Everyone is full of shit until I see Colin Kaepernick get a job. Now, we can argue he's been out the league for three years, blah, blah, blah. He may not even want to come back at this point. But at the same time, regardless of all that, I need proof. Words. We keep going back to the same thing, y'all. Words are the cheapest thing ever. I don't want to hear words. I want to hear, I want to see more black general managers. I want to see more black coaches getting interviewed without, without the stupid Rooney rule, which is another conversation for another day. I want the NFL to show improve, man. And I'm, I'm sure y'all feel the same way about that as well. I mean, just like all these companies that were posting black lives matter for, you know, blackout Tuesday or whatever. I want to see who your staff is. I want to see who's in leadership positions in your company. Right. Right. I want to see how you treat your black employees. I don't miss what's going on in, in the world in like every aspect of everything, like in publishing, there are so many white authors that write um, biographies and things about black people and they're profiting off of us, but black people can't tell our own stories because they're not big enough, but right. they, there, there's a publisher that actually let this white lady write about a, a, a baby that was found, a black baby that was found in a trash can. And I would take, I, I, I would die on that hill. That's a fucked up ass story. And there's a fucked up writer that wrote that shit about a black baby being found in a trash can by this white man's secretary who didn't think she was good enough to be with this white man. And I mean, that book old as hell, but I'm still mad. About it. <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> Kasa, yeah, what you got with that? Actions, <laughs> your actions are gonna be what define to me how you really feel about something and they have to be you got to make the hard decisions uh p making a little statement on social media that's easy that's low risk you've got right. to make a high risk action for me to to support you uh the nfl need first of all they need to make teams public and by that i mean like uh like like you would make a company public. You've got to right. be able to allow people like the NBA does to buy stock in teams. That like, way you have to, for, uh, just, to, just to FYI, the Green Bay Packers are the only NFL team that allows it, that. Yes, yeah. and, and that's only if you are a resident of of the area. So right. 
if you right now there, there's no channels for black people to buy into teams so that we don't get that trickle down effect like like we have with we talked about this in a previous episode like the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, and we're gonna talk about Michael Jordan in a minute, but the Charlotte Hornets. If you look at their their uh, basketball operation staff, it's people of color up and down. You know, uh, one of our minority owners is Nelly. I mean, but I mean, I know he's he's just a figurehead, but he is uh, a minority owner. When you have people that have invested money into the franchise, they're going to make the hiring decisions that affect the league as a whole, they're going to say, Hey, we need a black GM or we need a black coach. It's not like that in the NFL right now. I mean, I, I don't know if there are any minorities at all on the Panthers. Um, there's not really an ownership group. There's Tepper and then a few other right. people that, that own small parts of it, but I don't think any of those guys are minorities. And I'll be honest. I don't think there are any teams in the NFL at all, except for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's only because their owner is not, he's not white. So, um, that's how the NFL it's not is. white in color, but right. you know, yeah, exactly. so right. the NFL has to make a hard decision like that to really affect change, not make up these weird, you know, monopoly house rules. Uh, <laughs> you gotta have eight black dudes on an interview, and then you, <laughs> and you might get a third round draft pick. Like, right. man, just stop it. That's the most that was so ridiculous, man. But no, don't get me started on that, man. All right, so this is this is a topic that I didn't officially post. But we got to talk about it because it's too hot to not talk about. Drew Brees. <laughs> Drew Brees comes out, defends the flag once again, says, I will never kneel because of the flag, blah, 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 blah. Comes out and apologizes, doubles <laughs> down on that apology, and writes this vent to, 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 to Donald Trump. What are your thoughts about Drew Brees' initial statement? And his apology. Sharice, I want you to take this one first. I know you want me to take this one first because you know what? I was a, <clears throat> I've been a Saints fan um, as, you know, just to troll the city. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I really have a Fleur de Lis tattoo on my arm. I don't know if y'all can see it, but. Um, oh, God. When, <laughs> I, when I just want her to get this segment over with. <laughs> when, when, when Drew Brees said that shit. I was like, you know what? This might be the only time I burn some shit that I already paid for. <laughs> like, you know, I have I have one of my best friends um, is from New Orleans, you know, like born and raised. So she's like been a Saints fan even when they were wearing the paper bags over their heads or whatever. For Drew Brees to say that in 2020, to repeat the same shit you said four years ago and to act like Black people have not been in the military since the fucking, not even the Civil War, but the Revolutionary War, fighting for a country where they never had the right to savor what was going on, which I think that piece of cloth stands for, for you to say that. And now you coming out, now your wife coming out with a statement and y'all, oh, we're a part of the problem. Yes, you are part of the fucking problem. But your statements mean nothing. Y'all are like Roger Goodell, too. Because if you really meant what you were saying, you would have never said it. That was not the time. That was that wasn't even the question. Right. Like it had nothing to do with what you were asked. Like, why would you even go there? And your grandfather ain't no better than my grandfather. Because guess what my grandfather did? My grandfather built bridges for soldiers to march across during wartime. You know, my father, again, 
volunteer to go into the United States Army. Got shot twice in Vietnam. My mama's sitting at home with her engagement ring on her finger, not knowing that she's ever going to have a life with this man. And thank God she did, because if not, I wouldn't be here with y'all today. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. Kaiser, what you got, buddy? So this is one of those things. It's called willfully missing the point. That's what being, being obtuse. Yes, being obtuse. We we this conversation is not new. The idea that it was about the flag and the military, we've already determined that that is not the case. For so for him to say that, I I gotta feel like he was just being willfully ignorant. Uh, also, <laughs> the weird thing that here's what gets me about the idea that it's about the flag and the military. You go to mil any military base. In the world, any United States Department of Defense installation on the world, and you stand outside at 4.59 p.m., watch what happens. Ain't nobody saluting the damn flag. In fact, you'll see people scattering, running, and get indoors so they don't have to sit there and stand there with their hand uh, to their eyebrow for two minutes in the direction <laughs> of the base entrance where the flag is. Nobody, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal to military members. Yes, the symbolism of fighting for a country uh, is is important, but in terms of someone expressing themselves using their First Amendment rights uh, to not stand for the flag, I, I don't know very many military members uh, that even re really care about that. I, I just don't. So it's it's kind of funny when someone who's not in the military, like Drew Brees, who gets paid an absurd amount of money to play a game, says, "Well, you know." I, I will never, I'll never agree with that stance. And the thing is, fair enough. You don't have to, you don't have to agree with it. You, you don't. But you have to recognize why people are doing it and respect that. Uh, that was the biggest issue I have with Drew Brees. If he says, "Hey, I, I just can't bring it. Uh, I can't bring myself to not stand for the flag, and I, I just don't uh, agree with that form of protest." Yeah. Fair enough, but you've got to be able to understand why your teammates are doing it and what that means to your. And someone just posed a question: How does this affect his locker room? I right. I wouldn't want to play with that dude anymore because I don't know if I could take anything that he says, you know, to be to be truth. Right. Um, uh, I, I understand they're just playing a game, and there are some people that can separate that. But as you guys that play sports know, that it's like a camaraderie. These guys gotta mm. have your back, right? If I'm yeah. Drew Brees, I'm afraid of what that offensive line gonna look like week one. Let so. me um, I want I want to speak to that real quick. I because I, there's something on my mind, and I and I want to play devil's advocate again. All right, let's take Drew Brees. Let's let's take his statement at surface value. Okay. Now, is there is there some blurred lines, or is there a distinct difference between someone like Drew Brees? who is completely out of touch with Afro-Americans reality versus someone who is staunchly racist. Are there blurred lines or is that a difference? Now, to tie that into the question, we don't know how his teammates truly feel about him as a teammate, as a person. We, can ha we have an idea <laughs> Shut up. We have an idea. <laughs> we have an idea of of what they may feel like. But when it's when they're on the football field, 
how do they really feel about Drew Brees? What are your thoughts on that, y'all? Are there blurred lines? I'm going to make a quick statement, and then I'll let Sharice take it away. Uh, first of all, winning cures all. So if the Saints are winning, I could see a lot of his teammates being like, eh, eh. Eh, eh, we're good. <laughs> also, racism is a spectrum. It's not one or two things. There are some people that are on the hard end of that spectrum. I don't think that Drew Brees like hates black people. I think that he's just ignorant to what it means to be black in this society because he's right. a white guy. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a, first of all, he's a quarterback in the NFL. When you're talking about privileged white guy positions in society. That's uh, you're in that's the top. To the top. So, so, <laughs> that. And here's the thing. I've, I've said this on the show before. I don't really care how athletes or I'll say this. I don't care what they say or whether they say things about socio-political arguments. I just got to know what side you're on. Okay. Right. So you in, in times like these, I hate to say it, but you got to pick a side. And Drew Brees' statement let me know what side he's on. So, you know, if I'm his teammate, I'm like, we ain't on the, we on the, we ain't on the same side, bro. So All right. I got you. Therese. I mean, it's like you want to look at this guy who after Hurricane Katrina did a lot of things for the city of New Orleans. We know that Hurricane Katrina um, disproportionately affected African-Americans in that city. We know that New Orleans is a mostly black city and he and his wife, they have done a lot of charitable, charitable things. However, you know, it's one thing to, to do things for charity and do it. And there are no cameras around, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing it and you're anonymous or whatever. There's another thing to do it where there are cameras around where everybody knows it. Right. Because I feel like because he has done so much for New Orleans and in turn done some things for black people, that there were a lot of people that were like, well, you can't say that he's racist because he did X, Y, and Z. You know what? <laughs> right. I can give money to um, the ASPCA, but I ain't getting no dog. <laughs> I mean, I don't like animals like that right. because that's like another that's like a child and I ain't maternal. So, right. you know, it's it's just like Drew Brees is it's not a it's not a question of, you know, is he racist? Because I mean, I, and this is going to be controversial and I might lose some followers or whatever. But I think all white people got racism in them. It's just Whoa. the way that they it's just the way that they were brought up. Because white people can go their whole lives and not have to deal with a black person at all. All they know is what they see on the news, what they see on BET, what they see on reality shows. There is not a step of the world that we can go into and not have to deal with white people. So their interactions with us are either manufactured through the media or something that they read about, but Many of them don't know us. I grew up in Bennettsville, South Carolina, super small town. I mean, and even though it's a small town, we still had neighborhoods that I couldn't go into. Speaking of charity and donations, the chairman, the HNIC, the CEO of the Charlotte (laughs) Hornets, Mr. Michael Jordan, has come out and has pledged to donate 100 million dollars to racial equality and education initiatives over the next 10 years. It is important to know that Michael Jordan will be doing this through the Jordan brand. What are your thoughts? 
I have no sub question to ask I, behind that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know how you feel about me. Okay, so Michael Jordan can't win. He can't. <laughs> so, somebody's gonna say, "Yeah, he can't win." Yeah, <laughs> twofold. <laughs> the thing, a, a, a lot of people, <clears throat> a lot of people don't realize. So all right, that's a great comment. Charity is just for show if your actions do not align with your donation. The thing is, is Michael Jordan's actions have shown exactly that over the years, but people either choose to ignore or don't know because Michael Jordan is an old school guy from the 80s. He doesn't, he's not on social media every five minutes like right. like uh, current NBA players. Michael Jordan is the founding primary donor of the Smithsonian African American Museum of History in Washington, D.C. A lot of people don't know that. That place would not exist if it wasn't for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has built two hospitals in Charlotte for underprivileged people in our communities. Michael Jordan is the primary donor for the United Negro College Fund and has been in that position since 1988. So when people say, well, now he's finally doing something, it's like, it's like no, people, he's 30 years. <laughs> Michael Jordan, uh, is, Michael Jordan even tell you himself, he's a jerk. We just had a documentary for what, uh, four weeks with him yeah. telling us what a, how much of a jerk Michael Jordan was and he did not, uh, he, he didn't, he didn't deny it. Thing to deny that. So right. I get it. It, that's it. Michael Jordan's a jerk. Uh, he's a billionaire. He makes a lot of money, and and da da da. It, that's fine. I get it. But the fact that when Michael Jordan does do something good, it's met with this reluctance. Ire. Yes, it's like right. Uh, yeah, to prison later. Yeah, right. Then there's that. Yeah. Had to deal with this weird rumor that he uh, he funded private prisons. It's 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 unfortunate because, like I said earlier in the show. Look at the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, look at look at how many minority positions they have, and I'm talking CEO level, corporate executive positions. No other team in the NBA has. Let that. me cut you off right there because I have to say this. I absolutely have to say this because Michael Jordan, I've always said, is a extremely loyal dude. A lot of people don't know that about him. He's a very loyal dude, but he's loyal almost to a fault. I know yeah. we're not talking. I know we're not talking about the Charlotte Hornets, but it just relates to that to that statement you just made. He's so loyal that he trusts the wrong people a lot of times, and when you trust the wrong people, sometimes your product doesn't come out like you really want it to. And there's, right. I just think there is a lot of people who don't really know that part of Michael Jordan. You look at Michael Jordan, he's this jerk. He was this tyrant to his teammates. He was this mean guy on the court. But it was all for the end goal. You, I hope people really understand that. And how it's translated to the Charlotte Hornets hasn't worked yet. <laughs> now, going back to this $100 million donation, if we look back at the documentary, he said, look, man, in so many words, he said, I'm not the type of dude. He said, I've never thought, thought of myself as an activist. Yeah, he, he said that out of his mouth. He said, I choose to be the person that chooses to inspire people in other ways. If you don't like that, please follow someone else. Those are almost his exact words. And I just hope people understand that. I just had to let that go real quick. Sharice, yeah, you've been waiting patiently. Far, I'm sorry. It's not as far as the, the actual donation, I think it's great. I would have personally liked if they had been more specific about who and what they were donating to rather than... I, want, I wanted to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, I remember after the Keith Scott shooting, Michael Jordan got a lot of shit for this too. 
if you recall, he donated, he made a large donation to um, police and community relations, I believe. Right. Yeah. And it, it was it was not met very well in, in the community. And that was because they were very broad on who they were donating to. Right. To a lot of different uh, organizations that try and foster police community relations. Uh, so I think they made the same mistake here in saying, well, we're just going to give to these organizations in general. I think it would have been better to to specifically name either some of those organizations or one or, or one or two of those. I, I completely agree with that. Sharice, we're going to get you in because we're running out of time. And I, I need I want I really want your thoughts on all this as well. Well, be honest with you, I have a respect, hate. Uh, relationship with Michael Jordan. Yeah, I know, um, and that's who I I wanted you to. And, <laughs> discuss and I this. thought I thought about this when I saw the the topic, so I was like, oh shit. Now, yeah. Jordan, the player, I I didn't like because you were a Pistons fan. Because eh? I was a Pistons fan, and it's my sister's fault, but that's another story. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, over the years, as I've seen what Michael Jordan has done. And, you know, real quick, um, when I started to feel Michael Jordan was actually a human was after the death of his father because his body was actually found in the county that I, I grew up in. The coroner who burned his father's body then tried to run for office. And if y'all think the letter to buy Lyles was wrong, I actually wrote a letter to my local paper and I was a teenager and said, don't get burned by Brown. And he didn't win. Like the, the other guy won. And he's like, anything you ever need from me, I got you. Right. And, and I, and I nice. use that. Nice. So my whole thing is seeing Michael Jordan as an executive, and doing things more publicly that people feel like he should do. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually impressed with the $10 million um, donation. $100 million. $100 million, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was impressed with that. I was also impressed when he, you know, I'm not anti-police. And I feel like we do need to foster better relations between police and um you know, the community. So I was actually impressed when he did that in, in 2016, but I ain't gonna post that on social media because, you know, I'm still mad about Isaiah Thomas not being on the dream team, and I'm petty. <laughs> All right, okay. real quick. I'm sorry, go ahead. Keep going. No, I'm good. But I'm, just, I'm just saying, I appreciate what he's trying to do, and whether he does it through Brand Jordan, whether he does it through the Hornets, the fact that he's doing something and he's Michael Jordan means, means a right? lot. It, right. it does mean something. Right. All right. I, I want to get you, both of y'all's really quick thoughts on the Panthers dropping CPI because it's something we forgot to uh, get to. Um, just real quick thoughts on the Panthers dropping CPI. That's the David Tepper effect. Jerry Richardson would have never done that move. I mean, that, that was great because you can't say racist shit and still expect to get people money. And Jerry yep. Richardson would have gave him some biscuits from Bojangles. Yep. I <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> totally agree with that. All right. Um, real quick, man. Do we have any shout outs or shout ats? Therese, you know, just to update you on the. Real quick. Go. Kurt Putney, when you going to tell us that you the one that told the police to gas them people on 4th Street? Because you know you're the one who released that order because you're the police chief. And if you didn't tell them who to do it, to do it, then who did? And if you can't tell us, I'm ready for you to retire now. That sounds like a shout at. Pretty good. Kaiser, what you got? 
<laughs> uh, shout out real quick to actually let me get my shout at first. So all right. positive note. Shout at I need all of our uh, people on the timelines, particularly white people. I hate to call y'all out, but stop trotting Negroes out on social media that have these opinions that may differ from the black community as a whole. I, and I'm I'm not even talking specifically about Candace Owens, but good segue. But yeah, uh, I need y'all to stop doing this. Stop quoting Martin Luther King. I need you to just stop. Stop. If you're going to post a black person in your timeline, stop. Stop and think about what you're doing because you will get this fire. Okay, so having said that, shout out to all the seniors graduating. I know this is a tough time to be a graduate, uh, but it, this is a, a good way to define your future is the best no doubt. Thing. It's, if, if you can make it through this, you can make it through anything. Trust me on that. So, all right, my shout out uh, goes to Rodney. Uh, we'll we'll be happy to have you back on, man. You know, we we know you got a bit some, you know, we know you're you're busy, but we want you back on here next week, man. My shout at see, Kaiser, you kind of messed up my shout at because I wasn't even going to mention her name. I, I didn't even want to. I didn't even want to say Candace Owens' name. Like, I was going to have this fancy shout-out where I, I was just going to eviscerate her without saying her name. But since she said her name, since the cat's out the bag, I want to give a shout-out to this bitch, Candace Owens. Yes, I said it. I do not like calling women bitches, but damn it, she's an exception. I'm going to tell you why. Never in my life have I seen someone dehumanize someone who is deceased. Not only someone who is deceased, but someone who was murdered by the police to push an agenda against your own people. That is the most disgusting, vile thing I could ever imagine someone doing. So my shout at goes to that bitch, Candace Owen. You are a disgusting human being. I cannot, the only person who I would think would go even lower than that was someone who would say that George Floyd is looking down at the economy and smiling. That's the only thing lower than that. I'm sorry to end this show on a negative note. However, thank you everyone for joining us today. <laughs> thank you for the people in the chat. But most importantly, Sharice, thank you for joining us, man. This was an awesome show. Thank you for you, having you, me. You made this show excellent, man. We we look. Pretty soon you're going to be under construction, extended family, because we got to have you back on. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, man. Thank you all, man. Uh, we will see y'all next week, man. Take care of each other, y'all. Peace.